Before we get started with today's show, I'm here to tell you about B-Res Coffee Company, made by gamers for gamers right here on the Gulf Coast in Pensacola, Florida. Do you like light or medium roasts? Then try the Necromedium Holy Grail Light or Stamina Boost. Or if you're like me and prefer darker roasts, try the Critical Dark or the Coup Slayer Mocha Roast. But what if you can't pick just one? Then try one of their specialty sample packs, perfect for an all-night gaming or in the case of my fellow filmmakers, an all-night editing session. So forget about all the crappy coffee you've been buying at the grocery store and head on over to brezcoffeeco.com. Use the promo code DDE at checkout to get 10% off your order. Have you ever thought to yourself after listening to this podcast, why didn't Derek ask this question? Or why didn't he ask that question? I know I certainly have. Well, you get the chance to do that if you sign up for my Patreon at patreon.com slash ddiamondpodcast. You get the chance to ask guests of the show a question. If you're a fan of the top five list, you get to vote on what the top five topic will be. And we want to thank our patrons, Tim Spivey, Donna Diamond, Shannon Williams, and Mike Eveland. Thank you so much for your continued support. And now on with the show. Welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, where every week I take a look inside the world of film and television with those who have lived it and experienced it. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and this is the penultimate episode, if you will. After this week, just one episode left in the podcast, and I'll get to the finale details in the outro of this show. But much better news this week is we're finally getting the release of Ghostbusters Afterlife. It's been delayed numerous times due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, but it's finally here. It's actually being released today. If you're listening to this the day it comes out, if you're a fan of early releases like I am, I know I'll be going to see it today and I'll be giving my thoughts on it on next week's show. So I thought for this week, we have to do a good old fashioned roundtable discussion on the Ghostbusters franchise. And I can't think of a better crew than with Jason Robbins, Wally Phelps, and Mr. Mike Eveland. They joined me on the show this week to discuss our first memories of Ghostbusters, why we think it's called a perfect film. We talk about how Ghostbusters 2 is actually an underrated movie and to me a more than worthy sequel to the original. And we also talk about the real Ghostbusters animated series and our expectations for Ghostbusters Afterlife. So while you're waiting, to you know see the new movie you can have this you also have the ghostbusters watch along that i released to the public earlier this week so you've got more than enough content uh, for your ghostbusters fandom so without further ado here is the ghostbusters roundtable discussion with jason wally and mike Welcome back to the Derek Diamond Experience podcast, and we're finally here the week of Ghostbusters Afterlife finally being released in theaters after what seems like uh, years. I think it has been years technically at this point. At this point, technically (laughs) it has been. So we're here to do a good old fashioned Ghostbusters roundtable discussion on the entire series from 
the original movie all the way to the 2016 movie, which I actually, as of this recording, watched for the first time today. So what? Right, exactly. (laughs) But first, let me introduce the fine panelists that will be here joining me. First up, we have my co-host from the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Mr. Jason Robbins. How are you, sir? Yes, have some. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Also joining us is the co-writer of the film Monsters Anonymous and the biggest Ghostbusters fan that I know. He is the key master to this discussion. Mr. Wally Phelps, how are you? I've seen shit that will turn you white. (laughs) (laughs) It had to be pretty major because I'm already pretty white enough. (laughs) But but, With this lighting, I am white as hell. (laughs) both in skin tone and in just my overall persona. Also (laughs) joining us is uh, the co-founder of sponsor of this podcast, B-Rez Coffee Company and the co or the host of the Jester's Court, Mr. Mike Eveland. Mike, how are you, my friend? I am good. I'm good. Fantastic. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me for this podcast. I know that, you know, this was a no brainer to do. Uh, the week of Ghostbusters Afterlife. We've been waiting for this movie for a long time. So I thought it'd be cool to go back and just take a look at the series as a whole and some of our memories and things that we love about this series overall. So uh, Mike, you're the you're the newbie to this show. So we're going to start with you. What is your first memory of Ghostbusters? I was in like second grade. And, and let me just say for the starters, like what we called kids movies in the 80s versus now, because I was an eight year old in second grade watching this movie. And it's crazy when you watch it as an adult. But yeah, it was second grade. Um, people showed up the career day, you know, dressed as Ghostbusters or what are you going to be when you grow up? Ghostbuster. <laughs> <laughs> that was legit a thing. So what, what was your initial reaction like when you first heard of the franchise? Like, were you just dying to know more about it? Did you like rush to see the movie what what was it that sparked your interest in it I, I again i was i was a child so I, I don't think i watched it in theaters i think we rent my mom rented it for me and then we made her rent it every weekend for pretty much for a year um we watched that movie every single weekend over and over again in hindsight i don't know why we didn't buy the damn tape but <laughs> <laughs> probably because they were like a hundred dollars back then <laughs> what about um, you jason I um uh, I actually saw it in the theater. I think me and you, Mike, we're roughly the same age. I was seven years old when I saw it in the theater. I remember my dad taking me to see it uh, at Hardy Court Theater in Gulfport, Mississippi. And um, I just I don't know if it was opening weekend. I don't even remember like the time leading up to the movie. If I even knew what we were going to see, I just remember seeing the movie in the theater. And afterwards, just being completely obsessed with being a Ghostbuster. I had to have everything Ghostbuster. I had to have it, whether it was uh, I had these little schematic books you could get that told you, you know, what the, the, the proton packs were and the traps and all that stuff, the kind of ghosts that were in the movie. I had to have everything Ghostbusters. Even when the cartoon came out, I had to have all the Ghostbusters stuff. So it was from that moment on and in theater, that was my first memory of it was seeing it in, in theater. You mentioning real Ghostbusters, you know, to, to plug our show, we've done quite a few commentary tracks for the Patreon subscribers with the real Ghostbusters. I think when we do the episodes where we'll watch like two episodes of a show, whether it's an old like live action show or an animated show, 
real Ghostbusters seems to be like the one that we always go to or like we got to watch an episode of that along with something else just because it's you know it it was good quality like to me not just you know I I thought the animation was pretty good for the time but I think just the storytelling in that show was was good too well yeah I mean that show was relatively like mature (laughs) you know like you look at some of the storytelling and it wasn't just some you know mindless cartoon like it actually had good scary stories and and Wally, I know you talked about this on the, the Fantastic People podcast about, you know, it was along the lines of like, uh, you know, uh, are you afraid of the dark and things like that? Like, it was a pretty creepy, scary show. Mm-hmm. What about you, Wally? What was your your first memory of Ghostbusters? <clears throat> I've never seen it. <laughs> uh, it was... <laughs> My first memory of Ghostbusters was being terrified of it because whenever my parents rented it, I would do this thing where I would just, I would sit right there where the, there was a chair that kind of blocked the TV and I would sit there and play while I was listening to a movie I was told I can't watch. And that's what I remember because I'd, I'd hear like, danger music you know that how uh that that music's playing on the rooftop when the the terror dogs are breaking out of the the gargoyles and i, I i'm like what what's going on over there <laughs> <laughs> like uh and eggs cracking <gasps> you know just <laughs> me being terrified of the whole thing and i'd poke my head in every so often i'd see slimer and stuff like that and i'm like this is insanity. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) But it terrified me. I never wanted to watch the whole thing. So until real Ghostbusters. And that's when I started really knowing what a Ghostbuster was, I guess you would say. Did you think that because Ghostbusters is your, is your favorite franchise, right? Of anything. Absolutely. It's the greatest movie ever made. (laughs) Well, I wanted to bring that up because when we did our Ghostbusters watch along, you know, I've heard you say multiple times that you consider Ghostbusters to be a perfect film. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it's a perfect film? Uh, because I can watch it. I know exactly what's going to happen in the movie, and I, I love it as if it was the first time I saw it. I, in fact, I really wish that I could forget what happened so I could watch it again for the first time. It's perfect in that the characters feel like they're real lived in characters the world seems real and lived in it's new york city so of course it is real um the the whole idea of these people who just go around and capture ghosts as their job really just captured my imagination and you know, with our career day, I wanted to do the same thing. I wanted to go and dress up like a Ghostbuster until my mom told me that's not a thing. You cannot be a Ghostbuster for career day. Hogwash. Right. (laughs) And at that moment, I'm like, you mean they lied to me? (laughs) You know, it's, it, it was, it was a revelation that, Somebody had to come up with this. These aren't real people <laughs> that do a real service. Well, what are we going to do about the ghost in my bedroom? 
<laughs> well, and I think there's something to be said, you know, in going back and watching specifically the original two movies, mm. even though it's about, you know, a fantasy um, premise catching ghosts, the way it's done, I think to myself, if this were to happen, you know, in real life or happen during that time frame, I could see this being like a realistic way if that makes sense to catch the ghost like there there's a certain practicality to it that i think adds to it right and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that dan Aykroyd took it very seriously um in fact i was watching not the, the other day dan Aykroyd and uh bill murray went on carson to promote the movie on the weekend that it was about to come out and they <laughs> Dan Aykroyd actually pulled out a photograph of his great grandfather who was holding a seance and there was these heads behind him that he said just appeared in the photograph. And, you know, his great grandfather would actually uh, evaluate these mediums and spiritual people that would come into town with these shows and he would either validate that they were they were real or would label them a hoax and run them out of town. And that's where he came up with the idea of these paranormal investigators from his great grandfather. So there is an element of something that Dan Aykroyd actually believes in there. Sounds like they were hitting the crystal, crystal skull vodka a little too hard. <laughs> like to me. <laughs> you could say it's in his blood. Skull you speak of, I don't. it's the best indiana jones movie what are you talking about what are you talking about there's only three indiana jones movies and that's not one of them Uh, came out the weekend before ghostbusters did uh temple of doom Mm -hmm. yep and uh (laughs) ghostbusters knocked it out of the uh, off of number one in the box office as it should have nothing against temple of doom but Ghostbusters is a better movie. No, and it's the weaker of the three. Not, not to get off Ghostbusters, but it's the weaker oh, no. of the three Indiana Jones, for sure. Agreed. I totally agree. Uh, Mike, what about you? Do you agree that Ghostbusters is a perfect film? Oh, yeah. Because The number of times I have rewatched that movie in my lifetime, and I've got to tell you, I watched the original yesterday to prepare for this. Just like Wally said, I it it wasn't boring i i didn't I, I wasn't like oh i know what's happening no i watched the thing and it was great and it's still great 35 years later i'm still watching it and it's still awesome you can't i mean you can't do better than that i think they should teach that movie in college for editing because that movie there is no downtime in that movie at all i mean once you you're established in the library and the from the moment that you know the, the ghostbusters are in the library the movie just takes off and it just does not let up for you know an hour and 40 minutes or however long it is how perfect is it for the 80s too that the secondary bad guy is the environmental protection agency yeah <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that at length when we did the uh, the commentary track we're like you know the guy kind of got a point and he's just doing his job but <laughs> Man, he's a dick about it. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting thing about about the making of the movie. There's a whole lot of interesting things about the making of the movie, but the real EPA came in when they were filming the Stay Puffed scenes because the suit didn't 
adhere to the Environmental Protection Agency guidelines because they were going to set it on fire. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, you probably shouldn't do that, especially in an enclosed area. <laughs> They did it anyway. (laughs) And that's when they went back and rewrote the bad guy as the EPA guy. (laughs) (laughs) He was some other bureaucrat before zoning or something. Yeah, I also think... (laughs) That was about to be my question, like, why why they have an issue with the costume, but they did it anyway, so... Yeah, it was was made out of uh, uh, the same material that bedding was made out of, you know, the soft uh not styrofoam but like uh it was it was a combination of the uh like bedding and uh i can't think of what it's called but like foam rubber and it was toxic when burnt so (laughs) it was (laughs) it was it was funny because the guy who played stay puff whenever they did the the initial tests uh, said that they had to use a harder, like they had to use that particular type of foam because whenever they tried to use like just regular normal foam, it looked like he had a camel toe. <laughs> so they they had to make it to where it would be more rigid. So it wouldn't scrunch down between his thighs like that because they're trying for a PG rating. <laughs> In fact, uh, they, they edited out a whole bunch of stuff uh, anyway, because they were trying to go for that PG rating. Uh, the original line, believe it or not, was, uh, fuck off, man, I'm a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can see that. I, I can see that. <laughs> I did not know that. It, it, I didn't either until the other day. Uh watched a documentary called uh, Cleaning Up the Town, and it had a whole lot of really cool stories. Hmm. Now that song's that. in... Now that song is going to be stuck in my head for the rest of the podcast, but I'm not complaining. <laughs> right. Because we, we were talking about it even, you know, when we were doing the, the watch along, even the, the soundtrack goes so well with the movie. Right. Like everybody knows the Ghostbusters theme song, you know, by Ray Parker Jr. But with saving the day, uh, magic, cleaning up the town, you know, I was listening to the soundtrack to prep for the watch along. And I was like, this, this soundtrack even is is just really good and it fits really well with everything. Like I I've tried to pick the movie apart, but I can't really find any flaws with it. Everything well, from magic the editing plays perfectly like in that scene. Yes. Well, I'm a, a big proponent of music can make or break a movie. Like imagine if the original A New Hope had been scored like a 1970s sci-fi movie. Star Wars if, would not be the thing it is today. Or if <laughs> Halloween didn't have the John Carpenter theme that he wrote. Exactly. Like you go back and you listen to those, even like the little inter- interstitial songs for Ghostbusters, you know, like when they're just kind of doing stuff and it's like, just like those little things, like totally sets the tone. Like it has that comedic tone to it. But then there's also the ones that, that are like the, the, the creepiness. You know, there's a lot of stuff where they use like theremins and things like that. It just completely sets the mood for that movie. I totally agree. And I, I also think in addition to editing, the script should be taught as well. Oh, yeah. If there even was a script, it probably was just like an <laughs> outline. I mean, it was in in that in that documentary I was watching. They had the script on the screen sometimes and it's like 
almost nothing like what actually ended up in the movie because mm-hmm. i mean it'll have like you recognize what scene it is but yeah. like none of the dialogue is the same none i would it. imagine that that script was just like okay they describe the action and then it says like venkman says something <laughs> just <an> stance <laughs> says yeah. something well, yeah. no, it would have it and, and in fact uh from what i understand the first draft had winston having most of the best lines um and, and then they moved all the lines over to Bankman um, mm. because they're like, you, you can't give all the best jokes to the fourth guy. You can't, he no. So, and that's how that role got reduced um, as everybody knows happens. Um, but it was interesting because nobody was doing what they were supposed to, except for the people who were like, actual actors you know like uh, the guy who played the mayor was like i would start the scene with why here why now which is my line and then they'll just go off and i will just respond to what they just said <laughs> i don't i don't i mean that's it's all you not, can do <laughs> right that's all you can do is try to keep up i mean you're sitting in a room trying to do a scene with freaking bill murray uh you know um Harold Ramis and it's like how do you even keep up with like that level of comedic uh, like genius like how do you even do it like all you can do is just all right I'm, I'm just gonna react <laughs> like that's all you right. can do <laughs> I mean, and that's basically what everybody was doing they just you know would let them go and do what they were doing and then and then like there was one uh story that Annie Potts told where uh bill murray didn't show up at his call time so he was hours late so they had to film something so they just did all of her coverage Mm. and then when he showed up he was incredibly embarrassed and everything like that and and it's like look just do the lines and we'll we'll get it done because you can't you can't improvise now because you fucked that up now you have to do what i against what i did (laughs) And they just kept on going and he kept on like, ah, oh, but this would be funnier. Look, we all want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> just say the lines and we can go home. That I would just love fits uh, I was gonna say that actually fits because when you see him with the mayor, Bill Murray, you watch that and you're like, there's no way that's scripted. Where he right. goes off the tangent, dogs and cats and so that right. actually that fits in beautifully because he even, it probably he even improvised for everyone else in that scene sometimes because like the uh uh when the um cardinal comes in and you know that whole thing that was all you know Vankman going you know it'd be really funny as if they were on a first name basis and you know all of this kind of stuff and, and he basically rewrote the whole scene there the only thing that was really scripted whenever they showed the script on screen, whenever they were doing the thing, was Winston's part. The uh, I've seen shit that turned me white. <laughs> that, that part was scripted, <laughs> but everything around it was basically them just messing around. I would just love to have been on set for a day just to watch. Oh, absolutely. It would have been amazing. Absolutely oh. amazing. Uh, it's it's interesting because they filmed all of those scenes in the actual mayor's office and they were they on that day lost the permit that they had to film the scene with all the military escorting ecto-1 
uh, down the street and because they were going to end up having to close down so many roads that all of New York is going to be having a traffic jam at that point. And Dan and uh, Bill had disappeared and they're like, well, we'll film the coverage for all these people, blah, 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 that kind of thing. And then whenever they appeared, they're like, okay, we got, we got the permit back. It's like, what? Yeah, we went to mayor's just over there. We went over there and talked to him. <laughs> we got it. We're, we're good. Let me ask you guys this, because we've been talking about, you know, improvised lines and everything. And we'll, we'll start with you, Mike. A favorite quote from the original Ghostbusters movie? Uh, probably a tie between Ray, if someone asked you if you're a god, you would say yes. And then flash to the beginning, Vakeman in the hotel, just because the way he delivered the line, not because it's a great line, but when he pulls the, the sheet out and everything falls but the flowers, and the flowers are still standing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not even that great of a line, but the way he delivers it, I just always love that. That was a line that I think no one could have done it like Bill Murray did. What about you, Jason? I think probably, I mean, other than, you know, well, you want some coffee? Do I? Yes, have some. Yes, have some. <laughs> I mean, that, <laughs> like, I don't know if that was scripted or not, but that's like perfect comedy timing. And, uh, but my actually, my favorite line is they're in the elevator and he's like, why worry? Each one of us is wearing an unlicensed nuclear accelerator <laughs> on his back. <laughs> like, and it's all untested. Like this is, this is their field test. Like, uh, mm, yeah, they probably should have done some open testing before, you know, destro destroying half of a, uh, a hotel like they did. Yeah. But that led to the, one of the best parts of the movie when the guy's like, I'm not paying this, all this damage you did. And you're like, Oh, we'll just go put it back. Is that yeah. what you want? We'll, we'll go ahead and just drop it back in there. Are we sure and, can, one of, Dr. Bankman? and one of the funniest parts of the movie is when, you know, they, they, they get they're walking down the hallway, they freak out and they start blasting the, the poor uh, maid's cart. <laughs> and she's like, what the hell are you doing? What the hell are you doing? <laughs> Y'all know the story behind that, don't you? Uh, you told us during the commentary, like that was her actual real reaction. Yeah, because yeah, they didn't tell her that the cart was going to blow up like that. <laughs> Authenticity. It was worth it. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> uh what about you wally oh my favorite line is probably i think he can hear you ray <laughs> i don't know why but i thought it would have been laugh I ever get. you smell something <laughs> <laughs> no human would stack books like this <laughs> one of my lines. <laughs> i mean yeah how many lines i mean you i could literally quote that entire movie from beginning to end like you know, somebody blows their nose and you want to keep it like all those lines are just perfect. Right. I, you know, I love that exchange where Dana's like, uh, do you even, are you even using that thing? Right. It's like, yes, of course. I, I, I think, think so. I am. Said <laughs> <laughs> the psychologist. All right. <laughs> You're more like a game show host. And I wanted, yeah. I, and we talked about it during the commentary. I, I often wonder how much money does a New York, uh, symphony cellist. uh cellist make because she lived a not pretty, that much money <laughs> pretty badass apartment yeah. for you know to be right on the the corner apartment overlooking 
uh, was Central Park. Like that right. can't be cheap. She's the best cellist in the history of cellists. I, I think it was probably. Uh, <laughs> she's, she's the Eddie yeah. Van Halen of cellists. <laughs> <laughs> you should hear her play jump. <laughs> uh, her playing hot for teacher will blow your mind. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, as cliche as it might be, mine is mostly because of the delivery. When uh, when they catch Slimer and they just barge out of the room, and Bill Murray goes, "We came, we saw, we kicked its, kicked ass. its ass." Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's just that again, like Bill Murray would be the only one to me that could deliver it. Even though way. a lot of a lot of my memories of the movie, like I didn't get that line, "We came, we saw, we kicked its ass," because. I taped it off of the ABC Sunday night movie when it was world premiere <laughs> on ABC. So I taped it on the VCR. Like I even sat next to the VCR and, and paused it for all the commercials. But then again, like they overdubbed all the, the, what little cursing there is in the movie. I was going to say that you probably lost a lot of content too, just for time. And yeah, I, I doubt they showed the the ghost giving a blowjob to, to Ray. I still have it on on, uh, vhs somewhere i'm gonna have to dig it out and watch it and see how much was actually cut out of the i think they cut the uh i I think they did cut out the bloat the ghost job uh they cut out they didn't cut it out they changed dickless to willie wick um (laughs) yeah that makes willie wick here yeah and i don't even remember the what you know it's but then what do they do with man. Murray's response? <laughs> he's like, but he's like, is this true? He's like, yes, he has no dick. Right. <laughs> he has no willy wick. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I heard. <laughs> but it, it's... And a, overdubbing in the 80s was awful, too, because they would always right. get somebody that, like, their voice doesn't even match yeah. whatsoever. Right. So it's like, we came, we saw, we kicked it. Or like, <laughs> or it's a woman. like, but... <laughs> Yeah, because like, a completely different voice, and you're like, oh, what, what just happened? <laughs> it's it's kind of off topic, but I remember watching a, a dubbed version of Smokey and the Bandit on TV once, and the yeah. the guy doing the dub for Jackie Gleason sounded not, it sounded like someone doing a terrible Jackie Gleason impression. Right, it was but, so. I remember that because oh, it was I bad. Think, you some bitch was changed to something else. <laughs> you scumbum, so scumbum, scumbum. That's right. Yep. And he sounds I know, so bad. I know that well because I cannot tell you how many times I watched Smokey and the Bandit on TBS when I was a kid. <laughs> Man, was TBS, TBS before FX. You know, TBS was the one ruining all the great movies. Sometimes <laughs> they would play they, stuff. You're like, but why they are played you good stuff all day long. Like they always put great movies on, even though they you know ruin the overdubs and then they had like always playing like gilligan's island and like cool tv shows yeah, they would do great. movies like body heat or something like why bother like what is it like 35 minutes long after you yeah. cut it for that that should be a segment for my new show the worst overdubs in the yeah. history of movies oh my god that cool. would be amazing i think that's a great idea i might do that for one of the first episodes but let's move on to, to Ghostbusters 2, which I believe came out in 1989. And I watched that movie over the weekend for the first time since I was in college. You, and this might be just my, I don't want to call it a jaded view, but 
I, I never hear as much about Ghostbusters 2 as the original. I think it's because the original is so iconic and it's one of those movies that I think is so important in the history of films in general I, that the sequel kind of gets lost by the wayside. But I, I like the sequel. Like, it's not I as good too. as Ghostbusters 1, but to me, it's a solid sequel. Well, I also feel bad for Ghostbusters 2 because it came out and was direct competition with tim burton's batman and i remember distinctly you know my dad taking me opening weekend to see batman and we went to uh um wally you may remember this theater it was the two cinema it was it had two theaters the in it. Out, no it was outside of the oh, uh, the mall the mall yeah because uh, they had two inside the United, and then they had the a United separate Artists. yeah and then they had a separate building outside so they had two theaters inside the mall and two theaters outside the mall right. in a separate building. They had Batman and Ghostbusters 2 playing in that outside theater. And there was a line. I mean, we were we got there early to see the one of the first showings. So we we were maybe a hundred people deep. We had to wait till like the second showing to see it. But the line after us stretched all the way across the mall. I mean, there must have been easily a thousand people in line to see batman easy and the next theater was ghostbusters 2 and not a single soul was going into that theater i mean the only reason people were going into that theater is because they knew they weren't going to get in to see batman and so they just got tickets to see ghostbusters 2 and went to see it so that was Batman was its direct competition and it just got murdered. Yeah. You got to think whose genius idea was that? Like wait to the next weekend, maybe. Yeah. Well, but 1989 was a stacked year for movies though, because you had, you didn't only have Batman. You had, uh, honey, I shrunk the kids. Yeah. You had Indiana Jones and the last crusade. You had, uh, I think Romancing the Stone, you had uh, 1989. That was also the summer that UHF came out. Was that uh, all really the same year? Yes, yeah. in the same summer. Because um, I remember because that that summer, I saw a movie every weekend. And, and I don't I saw, think it was Romancing the Stone. I think it was the sequel, uh, Jewel, of the Jewel of the Nile. Jewel of the Nile, okay. Yeah. So Jewel of the Nile. Uh Oh, and Lethal Weapon came out that year. Um, and didn't so Dirty like, Dancing come out in 89 or was that 88? That was 88. Okay. Yeah, 88 was... Uh, but I just... No, 87. From, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But from just from my own memory, I mean, Batman just literally eclipsed... I mean, as... Oh, and as, Dick Tracy. I forgot about yes, that. Yes, I forgot about Dick Tracy. But dude, Lots of Bat us try to forget about that. <laughs> Batman just completely... <laughs> Batman eclipsed everything that summer. It was oh, Batman all, all, all day, all night, everywhere. Right. I mean, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing the Bat logo. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, when, for me... And honestly, I didn't even see Ghostbusters 2 until it came out on video later see, that year. I saw, I saw it in the theater. In fact, I saw it twice in the theater. And But I think that's because I, it was me. Um because, you know, I wanted to go see it. You know, hey, what do you want to go see? I want to go see Batman. Uh, not Batman. I want to go see Ghostbusters. <laughs> but I, I begged uh, all of my family members that I could to take me to see Batman. I saw it like four times in the theater. 
because my dad took me then i made my brother take me and then i think my uncle took me i was like every weekend i was just like somebody's I've, I've gonna take as me an to adult, this damn like, movie when you get people who don't want to watch the game with you i'm like cool i got other people i can call yeah right it, it my my uncle told my parents that batman would scare me so i didn't see it until it was on the video and then when i saw the movie i'm like that was bullshit <laughs> i mean no, i was i was but I mean, nine. as far as, as Ghostbusters 2 goes, it's definitely not as good as the original. I mean, it's got sequel well, what is? <laughs> Yeah, but what is? That, that's, very, that's, that's a tall order to... But you basically Empire Strikes match. Back. You can't, you can't ever do better. <laughs> yeah. But it's still, it's it's an ultimately watchable good time of a movie. I don't see right. why there's such hate for that movie. It, it's got some of the best Winston lines in it. I mean, you know, <laughs> no, missed it. Like, that, yeah. that line yeah. is great and what's the actor's name that plays a squirrely dude the um the assistant yeah no 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 i know rick moranis's name but... oh you mean uh Janos. uh yeah, yes yes <laughs> Peter McNichol. he is amazing <laughs> yes i'm covered in the ghoul <laughs> do i like the buzzing supplies to him <laughs> i mean who doesn't always just go it's vegan every time they see something <laughs> with him in it <laughs> right poor guy <laughs> <laughs> But the, the thing I noticed about the sequel is that it, like it didn't try to retread or rehash really the plot from the first movie. Like to me, it stands on its own as being different enough to where it's not a copy of the same thing. Right. Is it as good? No, but it, it's like asking something to be better than, you know, like a Star Wars movie to be better than The Empire Strikes Back. Chances are it's not going to happen. You know, it kind of and I know this is a weird comparison, but follow me here. I think a lot of people had problems with it because it's sort of like uh, The Force Awakens when, you know, like Han Solo has lost the, like him and Leia have broken up and like the, the you know, the Millennium Falcon is just like in some junkyard somewhere. And they're like, man, like all these great characters just like crap has happened over the last 30 years. Well, you look at Ghostbusters 2 and like the end of Ghostbusters 1, they're citywide heroes. I mean, world heroes at this point. Then you open up Ghostbusters 2 and they're like on pretty much on the verge of bankruptcy. Nobody gives a shit about them anymore. They're like doing kids parties and the kids don't even care anymore. It's kind of like, man, these guys were our heroes. And like the, the movie starts off with like nobody gives a crap. But as an adult, I love that aspect of it because that that's reality. Yeah, that's you know, the truth. They, they fixed the problem in the first one, and all the levels, the spirit levels, went back to normal. That then they're back to when they first opened the business, and like nothing was going on, and they had you know Janine, any calls? No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that that actually fits perfectly. I remember thinking in the opening when you see the, you know, them dancing at the kids parties and they're singing the Ghostbusters theme song. I, I thought that was a cool little like meta moment. Like it yeah. was like it was <laughs> I, I thought it was cool personally. But yeah, so, no, I, I, I enjoy I the movie. Wonder. Oh, yeah, so no, I, I wonder if in the actual Ghostbusters universe, if Ray Parker Jr. still got sued by Huey Lewis for that song. <laughs> Huey Lewis doesn't exist in Ghostbusters. No, <laughs> no, he only exists in the Back to the Future universe. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> it's just too darn loud. loud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that makes me laugh every time. I remember the first time I, I, I saw... The, I love oh, the ahead. fact that, you know, it just popped in my head, but the fact that Lewis, 
you know, at the end of the movie when he's trying to get there to help them, like, it's just funny because he's like got to take the bus and like he go the bus op- door opens and it's Slimer driving. And he's like, oh, okay. And he just gets <laughs> on the bus. Like, no- you know, nothing happens. Like, it's just, it's great. Like, I love that movie. I love that movie. We haven't talked about Rick Moranis enough. He's he is hilarious in this. He movie. makes everything better. These movies, yeah. And just so him being in something makes it better. If yeah. you see him, like I, I, they have interviews of him from the time that Ghostbusters was filmed on that uh, documentary I watched, and it's so crazy to me just watching him talk normally like a person. <laughs> you he know? always he always puts on that rick moranis voice you know right because like in real life he's like you know hi how's it going i'm rick moranis and then the movie is like oh i'm sorry dana i'm gonna you know just and it's like oh my god he's like morty from rick and morty (laughs) (laughs) or just him getting locked out of his apartment the first movie hey (laughs) open up i love that that's like a little subtle ongoing gag yeah right He's the key master, yet his door is always locked. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of backtracking to the first movie, we noticed this when we were doing the watch along, how he was having the party in his apartment and he's out talking with Dana and you see this old man in the background just, just dancing <laughs> to his heart's content. And I'm like, I want to know more about this guy's story. Yeah. Like he, he's just back there. He's doing the shimmy, just living his best life. And I love how he's so socially awkward, like even in the party, when he's talking to everybody and he's like, yeah, I got this off, you know, for this percentage off or whatever. And he's like, yeah. And I used, I used this party as a business expense. And that's why I, I only invited clients, not friends. <laughs> uh, I miss Rick Moranis being in movies. Uh, yeah, like, I he, I mentioned it earlier, but when he's in something to me, he automatically makes it better. Oh, he's yeah. good in everything that I've seen him in. Yeah, and I get I get the reasons, and it's tragic, and you know it's amazing that he yeah. stepped back to take care of his kids because he he had enough money he didn't have to. Mm. Um, I, I'm kind of glad now that his kids are older, you're starting to see him again because he, you know, from my childhood, from our childhood, you know, Ghostbusters and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and I, he was amazing. Little Shop of Horrors, my I mean, oh god, Spaceballs, uh, Spaceballs. Let's go back and look at Spaceballs. Like that is the a, a tour de force comedic per- performance by him. I hate yep. it when my Schwartz gets tangled. <laughs> <laughs> I am your father's brother's nephew's cousin's former roommate. What does that, what does make, that us? make us? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> uh, he did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that movie's so good. I want to do a watch along for that, too, one day. So Real Ghostbusters, the animated series. Now, I, I did not watch this as a kid because i don't remember it being on when i was a kid it, it probably you was were, you were a little too young when it was on yeah like uh, what, what year did it run what year did it premiere six yeah okay that was the year i was born so that it was a must mind. watch that, that was a must watch every saturday morning show okay. for me yeah so how they got me, egon's hair from harold <laughs> To that, that, that blonde eclair looking thing. I don't understand. 
Well, you know, they wanted they wanted everybody to look just off model, so they didn't have to pay for likeness rights. Yeah. Um, and that's also why most of the characters didn't sound anything like the actual actor. Uh, the big difference was Maurice LaMarche doing his best Harold Ramis impression, <laughs> and uh, which is why uh, Bill Murray got uh, uh, the original. Uh, Peter Venkman fired uh, Lorenzo Music because he didn't think he sounded enough like him. So they replaced him with Dave Coulier, uh, <laughs> Full House. <laughs> you know, I, I love that cartoon so much. I just the toy line alone. I I was very tempted uh, a couple of months ago. I went to the Mobile Flea Market and they had. <laughs> the uh the firehouse the original firehouse oh, yes with the ecto one and i was i didn't even ask the lady how much she wanted for it because no matter what she would have said i would have bought it so i just didn't i didn't even <laughs> ask dollars. <laughs> like sold because that was something i always wanted as a kid was that firehouse man i remember those commercials where you could dump slime on everything you remember that slime because they had the grating yeah it came yeah came with a little slime slime and smelled like chemicals and was probably (laughs) i can smell it now oh my god you know what i've never liked it i've never i've never enjoyed playing with slime my brother did he just once you got that into the the joints of your toys it was never coming out oh no it was done it would dry up it was done yeah you had, you had to crack it out of the, the articulation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, I had some of the figures and they were so cool because, you know, they looked exactly like the cartoons. And then you got little little ghosts and demons with them. And mm-hmm. like everything just looked so I, mean, I even remember the toy um, proton pack that was from you know the the cartoon yeah i wanted one so bad when i was a kid and oh, never i feel got like one. i was rich because i had all of this <laughs> i mean you, and you it, had the, and I know pack with the little foam laser thing yeah 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 they had the little it's like a pool noodle <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it was it was great and i had i had the trap that actually worked you stepped mm-hmm. on the little yeah, yeah i had that little plunger and it opened and uh, I was always like, even as a kid, I'm like, I wonder if I could paint this black, make it look <laughs> like the one in the movie. <laughs> and I distinctly remember bringing my uh, action figures to school and we would play with, go- you know, the Ghostbusters toys at recess and stuff. And like, that was just good memories for me as a kid. Like that cartoon was, like I said, it was such a well-written cartoon i mean yeah there are some stinkers in there but for the most part that's a really good show i mean and it still holds up to watch i mean you guys know we watch them for for commentary tracks all the time and they 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 hold up they really do i mean i've i've got them here somewhere and i I watch them occasionally i mean it's i'll pop out a disc a random disc and just pop it in and watch them yeah it's a lot I of make my kids watch that kind of stuff like like um the ghostbuster cartoon and voltron the original like i, I make my yeah. kids watch it because like i like this when i was a kid you're gonna like it yeah <laughs> and then i get mad at them if they don't like oh. our oldest when i when i first met my wife her son my, my oldest my stepson i tried to make him watch willow when he was 11 i'm like you're gonna love this you're gonna love this oh my god i saw this when i was your age and it blew my mind 
little fucker left like halfway through it. I'm like, I hate you now. <laughs> <laughs> That's Willow. Uh, I don't remember. Loves Ghostbusters. I um, remember. Uh, so in 1986, I would have been roughly nine years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't remember exactly when the um, the episode for the uh, the um, the boogeyman episode came out but man that episode messed me up for a while like even still really as sure an adult August I still the air date. <laughs> I still think about that episode and you know just like how creepy that episode was we're not the same age you're three years older than me old guy <laughs> <laughs> you're getting there you'll catch up and it's funny that you mentioned the commentary tracks because I had never watched the show until we started doing those. And then in doing more research and seeing like how popular that show was, mm-hmm. like I feel like if, if you put in popularity, the original Ghostbusters at number one, I think real Ghostbusters, the animated series is a strong number two. Like there's oh, a yeah. huge following yeah. for that show. It's, it blew my mind, but it's really cool. Cause I've seen, you know, like the, the toy line, like I've seen photos, um, like YouTube videos of people, you know, showing off their collections and everything. I and almost the, the, bought some of the uh, animation cells at Wizard World a few years ago, but I, I didn't get them. And I don't remember why I didn't get them, but I because wish Because you would. know I would steal them from you? Probably. <laughs> uh, October 18th, 1986 was the air date of the Boogeyman coming. Yeah, so I was nine years old when that episode aired. and I was oof, six. I was four. <laughs> I was two months. No, I was five. I'm sorry. I was five. You said October 18th? Yeah, October 18th, yeah. 1986. I would have been exactly two months old. I would turn. Time. I will turn six in two weeks. How many years did that cartoon go? Because I know that it had to go for a few years because I know I wasn't watching it when that aired. Uh, I know cartoons I, I must have watched it when they, I was older, more closer to like 88, 89. So it had to run for at least a few years. Yeah, they didn't really have regular seasons like a, a normal <laughs> show did. Because we've looked at it in, on Prime and it just has a long list of episodes. Yeah, it's almost not even one. organized by season, essentially. Yeah. Seven seasons. Oh, wow. And so that's, went on, that's, that's including a, uh, Slimer in the real Ghostbusters. Okay. That's a great run for a cartoon. Oh, yeah. Just from that era. Because I remember some you know, Nickelodeon shows from the 90s that only got, like Rocco's Modern Life only ran for, I think, two or three seasons. And it was one of the most popular shows on that network. It was canceled in 1992. Wow. So I was in high school when I, it I was, was gonna say, finally That's amazing canceled. considering your target audience would have grown up out of cartoons while yeah. it was running yeah it was well even the interesting thing is only four years later extreme ghostbusters came out i don't remember that the what ghostbusters extreme Ghostbusters. you don't remember the extreme ghostbusters that's i'm i'm vaguely remembering it <laughs> <laughs> and good night wally <laughs> I don't have to take this anymore. I'm going home. I feel like I'm the only one qualified. <laughs> but you got to remember, like around 1996 is when I went to college. So I wasn't paying attention to too much thing, too much pop culture things at that time. Like, I don't remember much from pop culture between like 96 and 98. Oh, 99. big man went to college. So he couldn't watch a cartoon. <laughs> I was oh, man, already it, uh, writing screenplays at plus, that point. Plus, I, I was playing music too. So like my life was just 
like going to school and playing music. I, like that I didn't was watch it either, and that's because that was my high school years, and that was what I call the dark ages, because that was when I decided I wanted to pretend like I wasn't geeky. So, and like, I was working know, at the movie theater. I video no games for a few me. years. I wasn't watching like this kind of stuff. And then I was know, working I at the movie theater like, at that time. And like that, that's all I did was watch. Uh, and as far as pop culture goes, I knew what was going on in the movies because that's all I did was watch movies. Right. But as far as well, TV it, and Extreme stuff, Ghostbusters was a decent show. I didn't watch, uh, I didn't really watch it all that much because that's also the era of Animaniacs and uh, Batman, the animated series, and all of those great classic shows that were in the 90s. But uh, it, it was. The, what I have seen of it was good. I just, you know, like y'all, I had moved on to other stuff at that point. You know, I, I was already writing already. Um, I was, uh, I think, I think the very first, no, I did my very first movie review was a few years before that for Toy Story. So uh, that, yeah, I mean, it's, it was out at a time where I was still very invested in pop culture, but at the same time, I wasn't specifically looking at Ghostbuster material. In fact, it was a time where I hated Ghostbusters. And it was because, yeah, I can't. And it was because that. my little brother watched it literally every day, multiple <laughs> times a day. And as an older brother, I'm like, screw this thing you like. <laughs> you know, but you know as time wore on it's like i can't be mad at you <laughs> well ghostbusters really came back on my radar you know when they released the dvd um i don't remember exactly when it was released but you know it had all the extra stuff on it and it had uh the commentary tracks which i got huge in the commentary tracks from uh, directors and stuff. commentary tracks with dvds were you big yeah, but for that one, they did an MST3K style commentary with Harold Ramis, and it was great. I watched it. I watched it just the commentary track multiple times. That's the first I'd DVD love I bought, and it was before I bought a DVD player. <laughs> yeah. I was waiting for the PlayStation to come out, the PlayStation <laughs> 2. Yeah. Best DVD player of all time. Right. It was, it was the best DVD player of the time. Yeah, and you know i you know we've all heard the rumors this is going to be the greatest dvd player to be released and you know i'm like well i'll just wait until it comes out and, and oh my god i didn't get one until months after it was released for the very same reason that people are having problems getting a five now yeah. <laughs> you know it's like i i remember i remember getting a phone like here i am with this copy of ghostbusters that i just basically look at and I get a phone call from the electronics section because my mom worked at the Walmart nearby and the guy who worked electronics was a friend of hers and he called our house. This is before I had a cell phone. Hey, if you get up here, we got PlayStation 2s. I'm like, hot damn. And I drove <laughs> over to the, to the Walmart, walked in and I saw somebody walking out with one and I'm like, yes, they do have them. And I went back there and I said, uh, where are the PlayStation 2s? And the guy said, oh, we just sold the last one. And I'm like, open up that Dreamcast cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> and I bought myself a Dreamcast. I, I have a similar story where I bought myself a bunch of DVDs. Ghostbusters was one of them. Top Gun. Like, 
because I, I was sure I was getting a DVD player for Christmas. Right. And I had my stash sitting here. I was like, I'm going to get a DVD player and we're going to watch these. And then I remember being so mad because I don't remember what they got me, but it wasn't a DVD player. Oh, it was a GameCube. It was a GameCube. <gasps> and I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh thanks. Um, <laughs> that'll totally make these DVDs useful. <laughs> Right. Well, we just stare at them. And meanwhile, you're over there shaving down the sides of your yeah. Just your <laughs> well, what really part of the movie will I lose if I do this? I think one of the reasons why I bought Ghostbusters is because it was one of the cheaper DVDs. Also, because back then DVDs were expensive. Like yeah, they had. I think I think at the time they had Ghostbusters, Blade, The Matrix, and you know they were like. 40 to 50 dollars and and the bad thing is most of them were empty because people were, were you know this is before they would have the, the plastic containers that you had to open it, when they had dumpster. those those piece of shit like paper covers with the, yeah. with the awful plastic backs oh, i Garbage. hated those so much i still have some of those oh i do too uh yeah but ghostbusters was in a normal plastic ass box and they um, I used oh God when I was working at the video store because I worked at the video store in, in the late nineties, early two thousands, and whenever they they announced DVD, I remember reading it in the little magazine that the video store owner got. They're like, "Here's the display. Here's what they look like," and they they came in two different types of boxes at that time. Uh, well, three: uh, the normal CD size jewel cases, the cardboard ones that we're talking about, and then and the plastic ones that became the standard and i remember looking at it and seeing that like jumanji was 75 dollars, and i'm like well no one's gonna buy that <laughs> 75 bucks <laughs> yeah 75 bucks for jumanji and you know, i don't what think year they is ever it? i don't think they ever actually manufactured um matrix dvds i think they just literally appeared out of nowhere into people's dvd collections because I don't even remember. I have two copies over there somehow. <laughs> I think I got like a copy came when I, when I bought my house. Like it came with a copy of <laughs> the Matrix. <laughs> if if I had a pair of Morpheus sunglasses, I would put them on right now and say, "What if I told you every house came with a copy of the Matrix?" See, but if that worked, then we'd all have uh, an ET Atari somewhere in our house. Yeah. No, it's really yeah. Funny. In a landfill. My my, uh, my apartment came with. 100 hours of free aol so nice <laughs> oh i i had free aol for like two years every time you try to quit they're like try six months more for free they would not let you give them up for the longest time and yeah time you say like okay my six months is up i'm gonna i'm cutting it off now no no <laughs> that's the secret to never paying more. for hulu how many <laughs> times every, yeah. every time you try to uh cancel hulu they're like three more months for free will you stay i'm like sure have you have you have how many times have you bought ghostbusters uh dvd Oof. well vhs dvd uh blu-ray <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you ask because we rented it over and over as children as i said and then i haven't i had the dvd for the longest time and then i just bought it again yesterday because you can't you, you get to stream it you either have to rent it or buy it and i'm like no i'm just gonna buy it i love the stay puff cover on that dvd yeah, yeah. it's very See, nice I, I had vhs dvd and I bought it on um, on Amazon Prime, so three. I've got it. The, this one came with a digital download, so I, I haven't downloaded it yet. But 
I, I need to because when I tried to watch the UHD uh, one, it skipped during the Dana scene where the arms are ripping out of the chair, uh, which is one of the most horrifying moments of any movie ever. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's uh, that's kind of intense for this movie that's been pretty lighthearted up till now. Especially for a kid. That was, the, that was one of the moments that scared me as a kid. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's like, oh my god! I used to be, I used to be so happy that our kitchen didn't have a door. <laughs> it's like every time I just walk in the room and the light is on in the kitchen and I'm the only one there, I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> that was an effect that got used a lot in the '80s too. Like I figure, like they they just figured that out with like the light and the door slamming. Well, and and the the little plasticky, you know, the the shape coming out of the door. Effect. Yeah, yeah. Because because they did that the same year for nightmare on elm street mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh so so i mean that's something that 1984 was a great year for movies was what I'm yes yeah <laughs> yeah you know gremlins came out the same day don't you talk about it zach whatever his name is that that no he <laughs> oh he stole, he stole my candy your, bars he stole your cliff bars didn't he what my, my, my kind bars yeah your kind bars i apologize <laughs> which are How far more he? expensive than he, cliff he, bars. Is, he is now a mortal enemy he is, he is <laughs> Best hope he doesn't come back to Pensacon. Oh, let him come back to Pensacon. <laughs> you owe me twenty dollars worth of kind bar, sir. <laughs> Just walk up to him. Hey, I'll take Just a free photo. I was about to yeah. say, I'll yeah. sign something for yeah. you. That's about yeah, that's, that's that's a good compromise. <laughs> so let let's talk about Ghostbusters twenty sixteen. I remember this movie came out and. <clears throat> I, I did not see it until as of this recording today. I just, I never saw it in theaters because my, my thing was like, I, I had nothing against them essentially rebooting the franchise or having an all female cast. I just, it didn't really appeal to me, I guess, mm-hmm. but in watching it, I didn't think it was all that bad. No, it's a fun movie. It, right. It's not the same kind of movie. And I'm actually, yeah. but it didn't need to be. I'm glad it was not in the same universe because I would have been upset had it, they tried it in the same universe with different people and the whole different concepts. Like I, I'm glad that they did it outside of the universe. Right. And it's actually something that we're going to do on my show later on. It's, it's slated because people crap on it way too easily. They, they really do. And I think a lot of people, uh, their expectations were either incredibly high or it was really, really low and there was no in between and i think that's a huge problem because for the people who had it really really high it's like what movie i mean even afterlife which is you know everybody's really high on this movie right now it's not going to be as good as the first ghostbusters i mean mean, there's no way there's no way a movie any movie is maybe for new kids but for people our age that watch the first right we are i mean we are girls probably all love it to death but you know, and but she loves the first two movies though, and and the 2016. She loves all of them, and which is amazing because she told me whenever I get a full size pack, she wants my my uh, spirit pack, which is wonderful news. But the um, thing that I think people didn't do is kind of adjust their expectations based on what they were doing because they. They didn't do the same thing as the original Ghostbusters. This was a comedy 
that knew it was a comedy. If, if I mean, I don't know if there's any other way of really saying. But it. I you're think you're right because it wasn't really... a drama comedy blend like like the original Ghostbusters were. It, it was just straight right. up. It was straight up funny. It was a straight up comedy. I mean, the moment the first joke happened, it's like, oh, that's the tone they're going. And that for. yeah, and that was really my only problem with the movie. I mean, I think it's a good movie, but as far as it's it feels like a modern comedy and i'm not a huge fan of modern comedies like they just don't have that they don't i I don't know they just don't i don't know uh, there's a certain i i can't even explain it it's just it doesn't feel like i don't know it just doesn't appeal to you there's a realism that's lost yeah exactly because if you go too far one way you know, and the movie's not funny. It's just you know, it, it becomes a Wes Anderson. Film. It's, yeah, it's almost and like if a, you go too far almost, the other way. It's almost it, like slapstick. It was just right. kind of like way too. It's just before parody at this point. Yeah, it's like joke, 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 and there's no just like you know, it doesn't give you time to really yeah get the characters or exactly the, like or i didn't the, give a yeah. shit about anybody in the movie no, i really didn't <laughs> honestly the only character i really liked was uh kate mckinnon's character yeah uh, yeah she was good because yeah. she had a character <laughs> you know the yeah. other ones were just being loud and and <laughs> it's kind of like the, the comedy version of what i call a guy flick you know just guns and explosions and right i mean yeah it's 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 that but with comedy you know you know what i'm saying yeah you don't expect substance you don't expect because it's just i want to watch stuff blow up or i i just want to laugh right i mean because like with this you know they do they do things that the other ghostbusters didn't do that i don't think they would have gotten away with in the original ghostbusters which is fine because they're going for something entirely different in this particular instance but there are things that work in the movie and the things that work in the movie are very nice to see like i like the new jumpsuits uh the tech was really cool looking yeah uh there was some things i didn't like about that but the ghosts looked way too slick to me um, that was a lot yeah it's it feels like a slick comedy right <laughs> that- and it just doesn't you can see the money resonate. on screen and i don't want yeah. that. <laughs> it's i mean it, it just things happen randomly that don't make much yeah. sense like well, and the my whole kind, my kind of, of comedy like, like you know we talked about before like my favorite kind of comedies are where the comedy comes from the situation and like right. the absurdity of a situation and the 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 reactions to that situation right and this but when not- it's just like it's just joke after joke after joke and like yeah i thought you know chris um which chris hemsworth was supremely funny in that movie right. and everybody else in that movie is a funny person like and funny actor but it's just that it, there was no kind of comedy that just felt natural. It just felt like I, we're going to shove as many jokes in here as we can in this scene. You're you're going to either going to laugh or or not. I think I think a big problem with it was that they weren't either going far enough or they went or they were going too far. They they had an inconsistent tone, and yeah. yes, but. I, and, and the reason why I feel this way is because the stuff that really works is in the middle. And yeah. uh, and whenever 
like Chris Hemsworth's character was really funny, but at the same time, pointless. Yes, <laughs> you know there was there was very little that he did in that film that made any damn sense. And the, honestly, a lot of the movie doesn't make sense. Like you know the whole crux of her getting fired because of the ghost thing. Like they have the 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 YouTube video that was uploaded of her saying, "Oh my God, I saw a ghost." The thing that bothers me the most about that whole conceit is the fact that she's getting fired over this video that was uploaded, but they didn't upload the actual ghost. Is that is that what I'm to believe? Is that they only showed her freaking out over a ghost, which allows them to what what is happening See, that, here? That's the <laughs> you thing. Know? You remember way more about this movie than I do. I saw it once in the theater. And complete, and then as soon as I, it was almost like as soon as I left the theater, that entire movie just fell out of my brain, like nothing stuck. Oh, I, I remember the whole thing, but then again, it's a Ghostbusters movie. I, I was gonna say, you're talking yeah. about the guy who's just like a little bit of uranium away from making his own proton pack, right? Uh, he, he just needs the nuclear material. And <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm it's I'm gonna happen one day, damn, yeah. It has a damn uh, my little pony Ghostbuster. I know everything. <laughs> that is dedication my friends about ghostbusters but uh yeah it's it's one of those things where it it could have been better but i really enjoyed what it was i'm not mad that it exists i love the people involved uh some people say uh uh, what's I name? think that's uh, my biggest disappointment in it is because everybody that in is in the movie and mm-hmm. even Kevin Feige, uh, who made the movie, uh, Kevin Feige? Or no, not no, Feige. That's, that's Marvel. Who am I thinking? Uh, what's his name? Uh, <laughs> you're, you're talking about, oh my God, now now it's out of my head because you said, said it wrong. Um, but you know who I'm talking about. Like they're yes. all really good actors and director and it just it fell so flat like you had so peter much feig talent is really peter, peter feig yeah, yeah. peter feig he, and it just he, it felt like that should have been so much better than it was i don't it just felt lazy to me you're talking about a workplace comedy which is basically what ghostbusters is and you're going to tell me that someone who has written and directed a third of the best episodes of the office <laughs> <laughs> And then it turns into that movie. Yes, I'm very disappointed in. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I still liked it. <laughs> yeah, know, it's okay. It's not garbage. It didn't destroy theater, you know, the theater experience for ten years, like people act like. like no. Oh my god, I can't. Right, they do it with Star Wars. I'm not going to burn my Funko Pops over there. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I. That, that was my ahead. biggest problem with it. Is when I left the theater, I was like, well, that wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be i also read the novel which is probably why i remember a lot of plot too probably (laughs) i mean i went in with really no expectations which is what i try to do with movies nowadays anyway i i i agree with you wally like there are moments with all the characters that i enjoy I enjoyed, even though his character was pointless, I enjoyed Chris Hemsworth the most because I thought he had some really funny moments. But at the same time, I felt like, was this really necessary to it, be it, made? It's really the more human moments that are the best moments. Like when Holtzman is, is talk, talking to the, uh, to the officials and they're like, do you know how many laws you, you're breaking with that vehicle? And she's like, is it five? 
Is it, you know, and it's just like, yeah. tell me, it, it's like, it's like 10, right? You know, stuff like that, that, that's very funny, character driven, something that somebody might actually do in that situation. When uh, Patty is walking down the hallway and the, there's all those mannequins and she's like, oh, you better not start moving. And then it starts chasing her. <laughs> I told you not to start moving. <laughs> funny, funny stuff. All the stuff where they're overacting, all the stuff that's just out there. I, I, I mean, I get it. I know what you were trying to do. It just was not right for this property. I did enjoy the cameos from Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and and uh, Ernie Hudson when they kept bringing up Patty's uncle about you know him owning the the hearse, and yeah. he was brought up at, towards the end of the movie. And I'm thinking, okay, we've seen Bill Murray. We've seen Dan Aykroyd. I bet her uncle is Ernie Hudson. And sure enough, at the end of the movie, this her shows when I'm like, it's going to be Ernie Hudson. And sure enough, it was Ernie Hudson. I'm like, yeah. Just like, yeah. Ernie Hudson is probably the best resource of Ghostbusters yeah. fandom in the world because he loves the fact he was in this movie. <laughs> I loves it. I'm trying to get him um, on my new show for January. So hopefully. I mean, it would be great. You know, our friend uh, Danny House. Uh, took a whole bunch of pictures with him you know he she's a photographer she was at a convention and she actually took some some uh photos for him and uh said that he was really nice so that's what um, i've heard too yeah everybody i know that's talked to him thinks he's he's fantastic yeah for sure heck i know some guys some guys in the ghostbusters community that had dinner with him and <laughs> it's like you know, and he was in full, like he was in the jumpsuit and everything. And I'm like, you, that's awesome. You had dinner with Ernie Hudson in a Ghostbusters. <laughs> oh my Dressed God. As Winston. Like, yeah, oh my God. <laughs> as Winston. What is going on? You know, he actually auditioned for the role of Winston for the real Ghostbusters and lost it to Arsenio Hall. <laughs> because that totally makes sense. 100%. Yeah. I mean, Arsenio Hall, I mean, he was just. Nothing against Arsenio Hall, America, but. So I guess. <laughs> <laughs> to be know. fair, Arsenio really needed the money at that point. So, well, I can yeah. just imagine well. them looking at Ernie Hudson and be like, hey, "You're just not Winston enough," you know? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> if there's a steady paycheck in it, I don't believe anything you say. <laughs> well, as we start to wrap up here, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, when this episode is released, it will be the day of the release of Ghostbusters Afterlife. We've been waiting for over a year. The pandemic's pushed this movie back. We're finally getting it. Wally, we'll start with you. What are your expectations for this movie? And what I, do you hope to see? Honestly, I think I've seen most of the movie. Because if you've been following the, the marketing of this film, they keep showing scenes. So, in fact, they did a trailer today that's a minute long and there was a moment that i kind of wish wasn't in it but i'm glad it was if that makes sense uh i don't know have y'all seen it yeah i've seen all the mm -mm. little things they've been putting out would you would you mind if i told you what's in this trailer <laughs> you can tell oh, me what's in the trailer yeah okay. go ahead there is a shot at the end of it where you hear venkman say hey and then it cuts to like a mid shot of uh, the three of them turning on. You can't see their faces. You just see them turning on the Neutrona wands. It's like, did you miss us? And then Ghostbusters Afterlife. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I feel the cut. 
<laughs> and that is how I feel like I'm going to be at at the movie. I'm gonna I'm gonna see it opening day. Uh, hopefully, I haven't bought my tickets yet because I've been trying to to negotiate, you know, with everybody else in my family. And uh, but I'm gonna see it the day it comes out. And I'm super excited. I've got the poster on my wall already. I uh, have pre-ordered the Proton Pack that's being released. It's full size. I'm I'm all in. I'm excited for this movie, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be my second favorite Ghostbusters movie. Jason, um, well, I'm trying to temper my expectations, but as far as what I want out of the movie, what I want is a good a. a I know it's never going to be as good as the original Ghostbusters, but I want it to be good enough to spawn not only like a new generation of Ghostbusters things, but I also want it to be a nice tight bow on the original Ghostbusters. Like this would be the Ghostbusters three where you wrap up that story of, you know, uh, who was that? It's a ghost. It's a ghost. It was Slimer. I want a nice... (laughs) I want a nice, uh, you know, send off for, you know, uh, for Egon, you know, and Harold Ramis, you know, he's no longer with us. Like, I just want it to be a nice wrap up for those original Ghostbusters and move us into new Ghostbusters territory. Mike? Um, kind of a blend of the, the two that I've already said. I, I would love for this, like Jason said, to be like the Star Trek generations that didn't suck. Yeah, <laughs> the bridging an old generation with a new yeah. generation. Um, and I'm totally psyched that all three of them are in, and seems like in a, in a, a, a real way, not just like a quick cameo, but actually in it. In it, and I would love to see them together again. I would love to see with Harold Ramis again, but sadly, yeah, yeah I I think this it's going to be a nice tribute to him. I think the whole film is going to be a nice tribute to Harold Ramis. And I, I do I, like that they made it his family. And I think that's part of. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. yeah I, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, I, I'm with you guys. I don't expect it to be as good as the original, because I think that's just impossible, but I think it can be the best Ghostbusters movie outside of that. And like Jason was saying, I'll be curious to see if this is kind of a, passing of the torch and the ghostbusters franchise will continue after this film like i could see this being maybe a nice send-off for the original cast to wrap up their story that began in ghostbusters one because we've waited a long time for this to happen so i'm i'm expecting it to be a very good movie you know i'm i'm trying not to think okay well this is just going to be like movie of the year or you know of my lifetime or anything like that but knowing that it's knowing that it's jason (laughs) reitman doing it you know i mean this was you know his father's movie and he's not gonna want to yeah he's not gonna want to screw this up you know yeah and i i also think that murray um ackroyd and um ernie hudson i don't think they would be back if the movie sucked yeah. Right. Or if they thought it sucked. So and there's a character named Podcast, so I am a little uh partial <laughs> to the film. That's fair. <laughs> That's very fair. 
Well, to uh, to close us out, uh, Mike, we'll start with you. Where can people find you on social media and tell them about B-Res Coffee and your your show? Oh, wow, that's going to be another half an hour to go all that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Jester8082. Um, that's also where you'll find the show, to Jester's Court, where we fight back against people who, you know, unfairly crap on properties, movies, and video games. Uh, we just did our episode with Superman Returns last night. Nice. And um, coming up, actually, next Sunday, um, me and Jason are going to be talking about Where's Mike Myers? Halloween 3. <laughs> <laughs> Any chance I get to defend that movie, I'm there. I'm there with the, the Halloween 3 flag flying it proudly. And you got to find like- one of the masks to wear on the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And just to plug uh, B-Res, um, if, you, if you like freshly roasted coffee and not stuff that's been sitting on a shelf for, for four weeks before you buy it, BRESCoffeeCo.com. Jason? Uh, you can find me at JPunktastic pretty much everywhere. Uh, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram. And go listen to me and Derek talk about retro games. And we do commentary tracks every single month. Um, the last commentary track we did was Clue, wasn't it? for mm-hmm. uh, Nerd Cave Retro Show at Nerd Cave Retro, Instagram, Twitter, nerdcaveretro.com. And you can download the show pretty much anywhere, Spotify, Anchor, all those places. Go listen to our show over there. And I also do a show with another comedian, Jacob Craig, called Open Micers, where we talk to all sorts of people in the, not just comedians, but everybody in the trenches of the uh, the entertainment industry. We've talked to all kinds of cool people over there, like Stephen Perkins, uh, the drummer from Jane's Addiction. We've talked to uh, Brian O'Halloran, all kind of cool people over there at Open Micers on Twitter and Instagram and uh, ompodcast.com. And last but not least, Mr. Wally Phelps. You can find me at uh, the Starbucks on Highway 90. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh at the real big wall on twitter uh uh, you can find me at the real big wall on instagram uh youtube uh where you'll see a a whole bunch of highlight videos of me playing Fortnite with my buddy uh buddy steffi luhu and i am the rampage uh there is a show called kumasan that me and jason are a part of uh, that you can mm-hmm. listen to. It is a fantasy uh, narrative podcast where we play multiple different roles. Uh, I seem to be the uh, one of the main characters, and I didn't realize it when I signed up. And uh, I am a fan favorite too. It's amazing. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> great. Now that we're voice at- actor, but you're not Chris Pratt. No, yeah. I am not Chris <laughs> Pratt. Which you know, I didn't think that was possible. Are you sure? Well, the thing is. Uh, I am voiced by Chris Pratt, so <laughs> it works out. Uh, it's and- great because uh, thank God we started getting some other voice actors on the podcast because like the first couple episodes, it's like 90% me doing yeah. all the voices. Yeah. And honestly, I was listening to one of the episodes the other day because they, they I, I listened to it on the first pass before they put the other actors in there. But then I listened to the edited version where he put the new people in there and i'm still in there twice and i realized my characters talk back to back 
And I'm like, oh God, am I going to sound the same? And no, I don't. And I'm like, oh, thank God I'm a better actor than I thought I was. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I was doing uh, an impression of, uh, of, uh, of a general, like just a normal general. And then I did an impression of uh, Remy Le- uh, LeBeau. So uh, it was, it was pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, find me Kumasan. That's the name of the show. And I think that's everything. If it's not everything, uh, you know, just, you know, again, Starbucks Highway 90. You can just drop by and I'll tell you. <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show and talk uh, Ghostbusters. This is great. Thank you. Good, sir. Yes, yeah, thank you. Thanks again to Jason, Wally, and Mike for that awesome discussion on the Ghostbusters franchise. Hopefully you all enjoy Ghostbusters Afterlife. I'm seeing it today on opening day, and I'll be giving my thoughts on it and discussing several other things on this Monday's live finale, which will be at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. As I mentioned, it is the final episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I'll be discussing you know, some of my favorite moments of the show, feel free to drop in. Um, I'll also be doing my top five movie endings, which I think is a very fitting top five to end the show with. I've got a thread up on Facebook now. So if you want to leave your list or if you want to leave them in the live chat, do that as well. And I'll read them on the show. So be sure to stop by 6 p.m. Monday, November 22nd at facebook.com slash D Diamond Podcast. If you want to follow me on other forms of social media, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at D Diamond Podcast. If you want to subscribe to the show, I'm on all major podcasting platforms. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. I'm on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast for free, you can find it. The shows are also on YouTube. If you prefer the video versions, just search for Derek Diamond and you'll find those. If you want to check out my Patreon, I'm at patreon.com slash Podcast. And of course, thank you to the Unicorn Wranglers for providing the theme music for the podcast. You can check out all their music on Apple Music, Google Play, and Spotify. That's going to do it for this week's show, so enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Enjoy Ghostbusters Afterlife, and we'll see you back here this Monday for the final episode of the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast. Mm-hmm.